This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Right here we go. New week, new temple of hoop. What's going on? You know who it is. It's Maples and Kings. Kings. We had a lot yes, going on tonight. We had a lot going on tonight, brother. <laughs> a lot of good <laughs> games, a lot of good outcomes. Yeah, first off, obviously we got to start in an obvious place. Um, Steph Curry, uh, as it turns out, the rumors of his demise were overblown. <laughs> and dropped 62 points um, in 36 minutes, mind you. Um, it was just an amazing performance, honestly. Uh, obviously, they got pretty much dominated early going against the same Blazers team. Steph actually outscored Dane and, and CJ together. I know, Kings, you were back and forth between uh, this game and, and the King and the, excuse me, the Suns and Clippers game, which yeah. is close. So, just what did you see from your, from your end when you had this game uh, locked in? Yeah, I mean, Curry was uh, hunting. Uh, he was hunting mismatches. He was, uh, Ruthlessly attacking Enos Cantor anytime he had him on the floor. Um, props to uh, Kerr for finally, you know, swallowing his pride and stop running those uh, uh, back screens from Curry and letting Curry just take the ball up top and running, you know, screen and rolls, high screen and rolls. You um, even, even some of the looks they got the other guys. I, I mean, I know people don't like the Wiggins post ups, but you know, just getting guys, you know, looks to to how they score comfortably because, like we said, Wiggins isn't a shooter. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, you know, Wiggins post-ups isn't ideal, but if you actually watch Minnesota, that's what he likes to rock. He likes it around that area from the elbow under. He likes taking those shots, which is kind of why he's an inefficient scorer, but, I mean, that's kind of where he scores the most from. And then, you know, Draymond knew where to get how to get Curry to look. I mean, the last three he took, I mean, somebody tweeted, Draymond didn't even say a word. He just dribbled all the way up, <laughs> turned around, Steph was there, and that was it. So, Having somebody who knows Curry's game inside and out and knows the system like that, it, it just led to a great performance for Curry and the, and the Warriors today. I mean, they look like you said, they look like the real NBA, solid NBA team today. Uh, not, yeah. It's not like we've seen before. Yeah, to me, it was it was it was a simple case of less is more. Like when you put yeah. the ball in Steph's hands, you simplify the decision tree for the other players on the court who aren't the same IQ as the ones you had before. Like we talked about with Iggy and in in. Barbosa, those guys, yeah, those guys. You simplify decision tree. It's like shoot, drive, not read this screen. Is he curling? Is he fading? Right. No, like you just putting the ball in step hands and pick and roll. And what I found, it wasn't all or anything. It wasn't all or nothing either. There was a balance. Like he yeah. had a good balance of coming off screens. He had a great balance of just uh, not icing, but coming off pick and roll, making good decisions. And uh, Draymond had the most dominant one point game I've ever right. seen. <laughs> like yeah, it, it was he crazy did. how that was. 
how that works. It just me. It was defensively, just him being able to blow up the Blazers pick and roll, get deflections, quarterback and defense, put Wiseman in the right place. Like Wiseman's mm-hmm. game from from the first game to now, night and day. You could you could hear on the hot mic in the empty gym. You could hear Draymond yelling in his ear, telling cats where to go, where the next pass. Right. And I think that <laughs> the Warriors to get to where I think they can get my ceiling for them, which was a four or five seed, which is, seems like a stretch, obviously, but. It has to be Draymond quarterback in the top 10 defense or somewhere yeah. around that area. It has to be Steph with the ball in his hands a lot more than usual. Like tonight was the formula. Obviously, it's not going to be 62 every night, but just right. the aggressiveness and the FGAs that he got up, that has to be like it's got to be 20, 25 shots a night just based on how the roster is. And then Oubre is not going to keep shooting 4%. Like there's going to be some positive regression. And I think yeah, Wig- Wiggins really. has actually Wiggins has actually been surprisingly like he still needs to work on finishing, but just outside of a couple of like missing some bunnies, he's been pretty solid and dependable for most of the season so far, just from from what I see. Right. <clears throat> no, definitely Wiggins has been solid double digits again. Uh, it hasn't been the most efficient, but he's getting them. Um, but like you said, you you hit the key thing. Um, Staff needs to take over the offense, and you said Drake take over the defense. That's what's going to carry them to the playoffs because, I mean, you're talking about these are all-time great players in their role. Steph offensively, Draymond defensively. If you have those guys leading their respective ends of the floor, that's still a playoff team because those are all-time great players at what they do. So, you know what I'm saying? And they don't have, like, yeah, you know, Ubre's played terrible. Wiggins isn't the greatest, but these aren't, like, you know, these aren't the worst of the worst NBA players. You know what mm. I'm saying? This isn't like G League actual players. These players have some talent. They have a skill set. It just has to be utilized a certain way. So, uh, playing off both Draymond defensively and playing off Curry offensively is gonna it's gonna get them a lot of wins uh, going forward. And, and you know, I said this at the top of the pod when Draymond was basically time. I said the Warriors are gonna come out and look bad. Not gonna look good. It's gonna take them a while to look better. They're gonna have to learn how to play with the roster that they had. And I knew over the course of the year they were going to get better and look better. And uh, I'm glad they picked it up because the league is better when Curry's looking like this and Draymond's looking like that defensively. Right, right. And just, like I said, I props to Kerr for not, for like you said earlier, when we started out this thing, for just simplifying what he's doing and just maximizing what he has and just kind of following his pride, like you said. So that, that was a good thing. And honestly, moving on to the game you played attention to the most, I was going to turn to that Suns-Clippers game. <laughs> then I saw Curry score 21 in the first quarter. I was like, right, let me keep right. it. It might be something special on deck. Just um, before we lead into our next our buy, our buy or sell segment, tell me what you saw in the Suns-Clippers game. Just to make, I know you're super high on the Suns this year. I think I, my early opinion is they're the third best team in the West behind the L.A. teams. Just tell me what you saw yeah. and what you think for the Suns going forward. Yeah, man, like, you know, I always said before the season, I said, you know, the Suns are a bad matchup for the Clippers. Like, that was my thought going in. Uh, I turned, I saw that score in the first quarter. I was like, oh, man, 60, it was like 60 to 29. I was like, oh, my God, uh, I guess I was wrong, you know, because PG was going off. But Kawhi wasn't having a good game. And it's one of my my followers, they, they remind me, they say, you may not be wrong. Uh, you know, PG always looks good during regular season. Just hold on. Well, it didn't take a regular season for me to see that I might not be wrong because the clip the Suns came back within one in the fourth quarter of that game. Um, CP3 was, like I said, the CP3 and Aiden mismatch did exactly what I knew it was going to do and what I anticipated before. Aiden ate. CP3 was hunting that uh, Ibaka and all those bigs on the switches. And, uh, you know, 
the the players I expected the, for the Suns to eat against the Clippers, they ate, which was CP3 and Aiden. I, I knew their wings, as good as their wings are, I knew their wings would struggle against Kawhi and, and PG. You know, at the end of the day, ask Kawhi and PG, you know, you have to have a real package to be able to consistently win against those guys uh, from the offensive game. You know, Cam is good, Bridges is good, but they're not going to win against Kawhi and Paul George one-on-one. You know, that's just not, right, right, right. That's exactly. not what's going to happen. I expected Aiden and I expected CP3 to dominate their matches, and that's what they did. That's how they came back in the game. Uh, and then Book, obviously, being the comparator that he is, he's not going to back down to Kawhi or PG, as you saw in the scruffle between him and PG. You know, he's not backing down from none of, to none of those guys, and he didn't either. He balled all the way through. Suns played. I, I was I'm more confident from them and how they played this game. Uh, than I was even before because they were down a lot, and for them to fight back the way they did, get us with, within one and just have a couple miscues in the fourth from not winning the game, I think that's really good for their confidence. They really feel like they can mentally play with the Clippers, and that's the first step for you to right. having that type of win in the playoff series. you got to mentally feel like you can compete with that team, and they definitely feel that. So that this was actually a good game for them to right. have. Yeah, and just – Everywhere Chris Paul goes, I think he instills that mentality like we are here to win. So you yep. definitely see that in the in the um, in the Suns. So moving on to our buyers, so obviously you're buying the Suns as a legit at uh, five and two now with this loss. Uh, I think we're both in on that. Mm-hmm. Uh, Chris Paul is maximizing Aiden. Um, Devin Booker's getting yep. a playoff ball. He's the volume may not be the same, but the efficiency is going to be tip yep. top, which is probably more important going into the playoffs. And defensively, the uh, the bridges on the uh, on the wings, they got a lot of guys that can defend. I just I love that mm-hmm. team up and down. Um, and I think right now, if I had to give an early, you know, top three, obviously the LA teams are the at the at the peak of the conference. I got the Suns as that third team, kind of breaking away from the West of the Western Conference. Right. That's that's I think. Yeah, I agree. Uh, moving on to a couple other teams, another team that's surprisingly started well, the Cleveland Cavaliers. Are you buying yeah. or selling the, the, the four and two start? Um, <coughs> for me, the Cleveland Clavs, the thing is, I, one of those teams where I love their players, but I wasn't sure on their fit. Like, it's a super small backcourt. Right. Uh, Andre Drummond can play. You don't know where he fits. Larry Nance is good. You don't know where he fits. Kevin Love is still useful. You don't know where he fits. But uh, J.D. Bickerstaff is doing a good job of putting guys together, and they're defending a lot better than I thought they would, even with the small backcourt. And they've got four early wins so far. They beat the Hawks, who were playing well. Uh, what are your thoughts on the Cavs? Yeah. Are you taking them as a legit, you know, obviously not a contender, but as a legit, you know, playoff team at, or competing for a playoff spot right now going forward? Uh, I definitely think they can be a playing team. They're definitely uh, – Colin Sexton is uh, hooping like, you know, like he belongs. You know, he's super confident. Garland, Garland looks like the game has slowed down for him. From, from what I've seen and from what I've heard, that he looks like he's playing with a lot more poise at that point guard position. And, you know, um, like you said, uh, still have F. Nance, the front court, who's athletically gifted. Uh, Drummond, who's still a pretty, you know, pretty solid big in this league. You know, and then I, from what I'm, from what I've been hearing, you know, Seti Osman has been holding it down pretty well on the wing. So, you know, they got some pieces, some pieces to actually, you know, be a formidable team, you know. And Porter's coming back. Because you know, Porter's coming back in the next month, so that'll help too. Right, and then Porter's coming back, so that's going to add to their depth. So, obviously, you don't expect them to be, like, you know, a, a premier team. But just it's just nice to see these young guys succeed, compete, um, you know what I'm saying? Because even if some, a team is a lottery team where the team doesn't make the playoffs, what you want to see is you want to see them play hard and you want to see them compete. Um, you know, you don't want to see teams just purposely, like, lose and tank games. You know what I'm saying, and not try to develop some type of identity. 
So I think it's good that the Cavs are, are, are uh, developing identity, like that their fans are calling Sexland, calling Sexton and Darius Garland. So Shout out to home they're Cavs Canada. Justin, okay. Yeah, so, you know, they're, they're forming an identity for the fans, which is good for the experience and, and, and it's good for the team because they're competing. So uh, I, I like what they're doing. I, I'm going to buy them as a as – a, as a formidable NBA team. I don't think they're scrubs or anything like that. I'm going to buy them as a solid NBA team. I buy it. All right, so we buy them. Moving forward, let's talk about teams that are maybe are not are not showing up the way we thought. Number one for me is, is the Nuggets. They did squeak by the Timberwolves today without Cat. I thought they went a little more, uh, you know, convincingly. Um, are you buying or selling those team struggles? Like, I, 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 for me, I think we discussed this Um Personally, I I I think the, the Nuggets are going to struggle this year because you not right. only lose Grant, you lose Craig on top of that, and now you have nobody to check elite wings in, in, in the NBA. I think that was a big part of their identity. Like, they weren't a great defensive team, but they at least had guys to keep wings from going nuclear on them during the season. Right. And they're really having a hard time defensively. They're going to score with anybody, but it's tough trying to win every game 125 to 120. So yeah, ask the Nets. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> oh, we, oh, we go, we go in there. We go in there soon. Hold that in. So, <laughs> you know, uh, I think Nuggets. I think Jokic is enough. Jokic and Murray is enough to get them to the playoffs. But I just I don't buy them right. last year as that sneaky contender. Um, I think they can get the one of the mid to lower seeds, but I'm not buying them as a contender any longer as I was earlier in the preseason. So where are you with them? Yeah, man. I I told people <clears throat> before. Before the season started, I said, you know, they're gonna be they're gonna be worse when they lost Grant and they lost Craig. They're gonna blaze. And people try to say, you know, that's not that big of a deal. But I'm like, look, if you watch that Clipper series, you saw the two guys who made Kawhi, who made PG work for everything they had to get. That was Tory Craig, and it was you know Jeremy Grant. Those two guys made them work for everything they had, and that let Jamal Murray and Jokic off the hook for having to really you know, exert that much energy defensively. Like I told somebody this year, this year, MPJ, Jamal Murray, and Jokic have to play defense. Like <laughs> right. They have to. They have to. They have to play defense. They can't hide no more. There's nobody to protect them no more. Millsap is old. Grant's not there. Craig's not there. Jermichael Green's off the bench. Gary Harris is not the same. Uh, Barton is not the same. Like, they have to defend. Like, they have to be above average defenders. They can't be hidden anymore. And you're seeing it's taking a toll on them. Um, it's, you know, both offensively and defensively. You know, Jamal Murray is playing better defense than what he's played before in the regular season from, from all accounts, but he's struggling offensively right now. It's the load. Um, it's the know, energy. The energy you got to exert. The energy he has to exert. So it, it's it's tough on them. Um, I think this will be better for them in the long run, but definitely from a year-to-year standpoint this year, the Nuggets are definitely taking a step back. I anticipate this step back to happen. Um, well, they're gonna figure they're gonna have to figure out some things in the long run. But this year is a step back for them, honestly. There, I have them like five and below in the Western Conference. I'm not sure if they're gonna be in the top four. They might be at four, but I just don't see them being better than uh, than Phoenix in the two. I agree. I agree. I think Phoenix is kind of it's early, but I think Phoenix has shown at that at their peak. They're a, a little bit of a cut above with their talent and their. You know, they're, they're coaching a little bit above the rest of the conference other than the L.A. teams. All right, moving on. Uh, Toronto, after, uh, you know, making a surprise second-round run, pushing the Celtics to seven in the second round, they have 
come out and fall completely flat early on this season. Uh, one and four, got a couple of bad losses. Um, they bounce back from this, or this is you think this is uh kind of what they are going forward? Yeah, I, I man, some, like some of the stuff I heard with Siakam having to miss a game. Yeah, I, see, it's a lot going on. We don't know. It's just. Uh, <laughs> I don't think their 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 minds in it right now. Um, I think their run is over. Uh, they have to figure out what they want to do going forward because obviously this isn't a title team. This isn't a Larry Brown Pistons type situation. This, you know, what I'm saying so they're gonna have to figure out what they want to do going forward, who they want to keep, who they want to build around, et cetera, et cetera. So, um, yeah, there's another team that took a step back again. That's the, the Raptors. So I don't know where they're in. They're definitely not going to be in any top six of the East. They're probably going to be a play. play well, Siakam is really struggling coming out below 40%. And that's not so much into the game, kind of struggling skill-wise. Um, do you think that maybe the hard rumors are getting to him? I think it's a couple things with the Raptors team. Maybe they were rumored to be in the front, one of the front runners for dealing for James Harden, which is right. an attempt to salvage, you know, one last run with Lowry and those boys. Um they also, what I haven't, they're the one team that had that's had that has had to relocate because Canada can't have any sporting that events. Is true. Yeah. They are all the way and they are living pretty much in Florida. So guys are not even going home to their families right now, unlike yeah. everybody else. They they're they're living in Tampa Bay, Florida, away from all of they all, everything they know. Um I think that's a factor. They're in the, kind of in their own isolated bubble themselves, continuing from last year. I think that's a factor. The hardened rumors, I think it's a lot going into what you know, what their struggles are. And do you think any of that has any role to play in what their struggles are right now? Yeah. I, yeah. The the whole thing of moving to Orlando is definitely one of them. Um, you know, the bubble environment was hard in, in, in itself for that short time being. So imagine, you know, having to have a similar environment for the whole year. That's what the Raptors are essentially dealing with. So that's definitely playing a role into the, the lack of, you know, continuity, uh, the lack of, uh, you know, just rhythm that they – for them to develop. It's just hard for them. They have so much to overcome mentally, you know what I'm saying? And then, you know, you take into account that they have a talent deficit as well. It's just it's, it's right, a lot right, for right. them. It's a lot for them. So, unfortunately, you know, I just don't see them, you know, being that much of a factor this year. Yeah, so who do you my, – my, my follow-up question is obviously Toronto was in that, you know, that, that top six in the East. Obviously, who we had, we're talking about that those six teams. Who do you think takes their place as they take a, a step back? Um, Atlanta started off well. Orlando started off well. Cleveland, Indiana, they're all four and two right now. Um, the Knicks are even at three and three. So, where do you who do you think is a team that can step up into that? You know, that six. Well, six well let me let me go ahead and say I apologize to the uh, Indiana Pacers <laughs> for for, a pre, for for announcing their premature demise and them missing the playoffs. I totally forgot Oladipo. My boy Depot's on a contract year. He's <laughs> balling out of his mind, and he'll probably keep it up as long as he's healthy. So um, my apologies, Pacers fans. I've disrespected you before the year. But uh, if I had to make a, a pick, um, it's between the uh, the Pacers and the Hawks for sure. Um, those two teams definitely look like they have, you know, the, the – Either the continuity and the effort defensively and offense like the Pacers have, or you have just the firepower that Trey Young brings with the Hawks and with Cam Reddish. He's balling out of his mind both hands. 
Uh, he looked really great against the Nets both ends. Then you have the Collins pick and roll. Then you have Gallo. You got um, Huerta. You have Bogey. I mean, and then you have Rondo to stabilize the bench. Obviously, when you, you know, if you get to the playoffs, you know how Rondo is going to be in the playoffs. He's right, going right, to give right. the best man. So they just have a lot of firepower for them offensively. That I can definitely see them, you know, being in that top six as the kind of new face of the East. Just that's, not, good. That's, that's good. That's good for the league too. If if, if Trey can yeah. get that spot, because he can get he can get he deserves more of a bump. Uh, right. Like I said, him not only getting one national TV game the whole first part of the season they put out is, is ridiculous given right. the numbers he's put up. So that, that, that was good to see. Um, one last team we got to discuss. Uh, you caught a lot of flack for calling out this team before the, <laughs> the season started about, they never learned, man. about their, uh, about their perceived defensive liabilities. And it's coming true. Uh, the Brooklyn Nets, they can score with anybody, but also anybody can score on them <laughs> <laughs> under 500. Coming into the seventh game, three and four, took a, a bad loss to the Wizards today. From by, from what I saw, like towards the end, just not not a good. Um, Durant and Kyrie had a chance to make a shot at the end, but to me, it wasn't offensively the issue. They could not get a stop. Uh, Thomas Bryant, like you, twenty two points, fourteen rebounds, uh, just killing them inside. Like Rui you said, <laughs> yeah, and Rui, Rui yeah, had and Rui, a, Rui, had a yeah, good Rui. game too. So just again, what do you without Spencer? That's another another hit they took. Just what do you think the Nets need to adjust going forward to you know kind of right the ship? Man, I was talking about with their fans. They need three things, and I'm not sure if they have the assets to get all three at this point with Spencer not being there. They need a defensive power wing. They need another defensive minded center to replace DeAndre because he's washed. And then they need a defensive minded point guard who can facilitate. So I think the most easiest and feasible one is the point guard because you have, like I told somebody, you have George Hill and TJ McConnell on, on the market. I think that will be able to sure up that part because both of those guys are defense first guys, hit an open shot and try and just set up the offense and not try to do too much, play off the stars and just get people in the right spots. But the hard one for them is, is going to be the wing. Is going to getting that power wing that's going to be a premium position. That's a premium position. <laughs> you don't that the someone's talking about buyout market. I'm like, bro, those don't come on the buyout market, man. <laughs> you can get bigs on the buyout market. You know, you can get a Markeith Morris, you can get a Dwayne Deadman, and, and, and fix your big problem uh, for because you only need to play them like 15 minutes or so. But that power wing who's going to go 32 a night and be able to check the biggest uh, and baddest wing on the other team. That's not that's not growing on trees, bro. Yeah, even if they, <laughs> even even if they were able to get like a Batum, you know, you feel a little right. better. Like even because he's not a right. guy, he could he can give you twenty minutes. But even if they were to get a guy like that, that'll make it better. But there's so many like they're super they're super top heavy, and it's just it's just a lot of holes up and down the roster that can be exploited. Like just, just the games I've seen, it's just it's a it's an old school ABA game where we roll yeah. it out there and we just hoop it. And honestly, like they're running more like organized offense than I thought they would. So I'll give them credit there. Like, it's a lot of yeah. screens, guys coming off, making reads. So I'll give them that. But the other side of the ball is just really a struggle. You know, Kyrie and uh, KD aren't great defenders, but they carry a lot offensively, so it's expected. But the guys around them have to be able to defend, and they're just – they're not getting that right now. Shamit, we know what he is defensively. Uh, DeAndre Jordan is, is pretty much cooked at this point. At one point, he was <laughs> a sort of juggernaut. He just, he just doesn't have it anymore. Um, I'm interested to see what moves they make now that they've lost Spencer for the majority of the season, at least if not the whole season. 
So that, that that's rough. Um, to me, the what I've seen, I, the Philly doesn't hasn't had the hardest schedule, but I think the Seventy Sixers have been the, the best team in the conference early on. What I've right. seen, so we'll, we'll we'll see how that goes. If we'll be, obviously the Nets are going to make the playoffs, but their ceiling is obviously in question now if they keep defending uh, like that. So keeping it moving. We have a couple of players that, that I wanted to, to discuss. Right. Um, actually, no, before we get there, we were talking earlier, just the inordinate amount of, the, of blowouts <laughs> this season so far. It's been a, just Man. a heck of a lot of wow. 20, 20 and 30 point games, a couple 150 point games. Just what do you think on your end uh, is the cause of a lot of that so far? Like it's it, obviously some blowouts happen in the regular season, but it's just like every night there's a full slate of games, it's three, four, 20, 25, 30 point games. What, what do you think is happening there? And you know, the problem, you know, the thing that, that makes it weird is that the blowouts aren't discriminating. Like it's not the bad teams that are getting blown exactly, out. Only. Exactly. Like, exactly. Good teams are literally getting destroyed. And somebody made a point where, like, this kind of – you can attribute this kind of to – because, you know, the regular season, there's highs, there's lows. It's it's kind of hard to get you going every night on a night's night in the regular season. So when there's no fans involved and you in that second quarter getting smoked by 20, it's just hard to find motivation to care to win that game when there's nobody cheering you. There's, like, no no – confidence mental factors to get you doing juices to get you flowing like it's just easy just pack it up it's like oh you're down 20 nine night oh well. <laughs> you know what I mean it's like, it's like it's just easy to just roll over like nobody's there to hype you up nothing like it's just you it's just an open gym and, and and your teammates and the team personnel so it's like when you're down 20 something it's kind of hard to just come back that's why I was super impressed with what the Suns just did they right, that was, that's impressive yeah yeah, they found motivation somehow to make that an actual game. So I was really super impressed with them mentally. But most teams have just they've just mailed it in. Anytime they go they go down that big. So yeah, it's it's been weird. I think this is the this is part of that no fans thing really playing a, a role in here because you obviously you expect bad teams to get blown out, but you don't expect the Mavs to lose by forty, then the Clippers then they beat the Clippers by fifty after losing by thirty. You know right, 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 right. Clippers spank another team by forty after losing by 50. like it's just weird. Like that type of stuff is just weird. It's very strange to see. Very strange. Yeah, that that is uh yeah, it, it, to me I think that I underestimated how much of an issue not having fans there would be. And for me it was this even in the bubble, the no fans thing, it's a smaller, more intimate building. So it's right. not as big. But these huge stadiums is twenty thousand people and it's hollow. Yeah, <laughs> in there, it's like uh, wow. But yeah, just a crazy amount of blowouts. And I think the uh, some, at least to something else you wanted to discuss. I think it was a great point. Was um, I think the parity is at a is at a peak level right now. Like there's a whole bunch of good teams, but it's not obviously the Lakers are the defending champion. I think they're the team everybody has to catch. But even you know there's a path to see, okay, what this team can be contested, right? They can be competing yeah. with. So, like, the parity is at all time, which I think is good for the league. Uh, just competitive. You got multiple teams thinking they have a shot at the ring. Where where are you with that as far as talking? I know you wanted to talk about the parity. So, where, go on and tell me what your thoughts about, you know, just parity right now in the NBA. Well, yeah, you know, I thought the Lakers were, uh, you know, I think the Lakers, I think they can be an all-time team. They lock in completely. Um, and, and they do what they need to do. But there's a factor that is um, 
affected that, and that's the 72-day offseason for their two stars. Ah, ah, and I think as long as that is a factor for the whole year, I think that will affect how the, how much energy they can bring on a night-to-night. And, you know, we expect them to ramp up later down the line. But honestly, who knows? They still might feel a little bit fatigued from that short offseason and have to go into another long season. So as long as that is a threat for the Lakers physically, they can always be got if you come correct against them. And, you know, and given that's the standard, the Lakers are the standard of the league right now, if that's the standard of the league right now, it's it's a winnable league. Not not because the Lakers aren't great and they're not led by all-time greatness, but they have some things that can be exploited on, on, on their part. So, and if you look around the rest of the league, there's talent all over. I mean, the Wizards have two dynamic players leading them. The Wizards, you know what I'm saying? They have two dynamic players. The Warriors, who are not good, quote-unquote, have all-time players leading them defensively, and then Curry offensively, Draymond defensively. Nets have KD and Kyrie. You know, Giannis is in his prime now, and Middleton looks like he took a next step, and then they have Drew Holiday. It's like so many so many teams just have so many quality players. The Suns have the point guard with Young Booker and Aiden. Like, it's just so much quality everywhere. That's, you know, you're really seeing that play out on a night to night because you're really starting to see that. Wow. Yeah, I think you got to bring it every night or you're losing. And you'd be like, this is one of those. And in the shortened season, the games have a little more. That's why I was kind of surprised at the blowouts, too. Like, these games mean a little more with there being 10 less. So I thought that's the other reason the blowouts surprised me. But yeah, I think I have 100% in agreement with you. The parity is at an all time high. It's great for the league and also just the talent in the league especially on the perimeter, is super, super high. It's, it's had an apex. You know, it used to be, uh, you know, with the game was more half court, obviously more big, bigs are more, yeah, you know. Big more you, but now it's just when the game more aspects, all these perimeter, these point guards and wings who can just do it all on both ends. It's, it's a special time to watch, man. It's a great Man, time. There, was a, there was a point in the game and the Suns and Clippers game, there was no big on the floor in the fourth yeah, quarter. Yeah, I, I, I saw you mention that. I was that. like, I was like, damn, there's no big. I was, literally, I was looking, I was like, what? There's no big on the floor. Like, the five for the Clippers, I think, with the four and five was Kawhi and uh, PG, and then it was Kim and I think Bridges on the Phoenix for the other hand. So I was like, yes, yeah, it's, it's, it's a premium of athletes on the outside right now. You know, they're getting busy. So, like you said, <laughs> right. anyone, can, anyone can get God in the NBA right now. Like, if you don't come correctly, somebody might shoot the lights off. Yeah, and this this is kind of a right, and this is kind of a lead in to, to our next thing is we were talking about you know two guys we we were paying attention to, one is a uh, is Luca, he said a little bit of of a, of a sophomore slump here, um, sixteen <clears throat> he's getting his numbers but just sixteen percent from three, forty one percent from the field, just super inefficient, um, super. but he he does he's getting a count up, but it's obviously he he's not the same guy, um, part of it for me looking at him was just hearing reading, um. His country was super strict with the lockdown as far as Corona, so he couldn't get out like he wanted to. Uh, the other thing is, I think teams are, if you watch, guys are up to play him now. After the the, he's got that 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 league bump, like he's our guy. We putting you on Christmas Day against the Lakers, right? Right. So he, what do you see from Luca, and what what does he have to do to to kind of turn it around going forward? He was a great player. He's not going to shoot sixteen percent from three all season, obviously. But what do you think needs to happen for Luca to to, to turn it around? Um, three, three things, three things. Um, one, he needs to get in shape. Uh, he's definitely doesn't look, he definitely doesn't look like he's in the best of shape right now. Um, I could be wrong, but it just, it just seems like he doesn't. He seems like he lost a step. Um, 
Two, he needs to um, he needs to learn how to be more active off ball. Um, mm-hmm. It's too many times where he, where he just like like it's James Harden like it's just like I say he's the white James Harden like he'll pass the ball up, but like he won't be active to get in spots that will open up you know opportunities for his other players when he doesn't have the ball. Or it's spotting up for another another player. Like so somebody tweeted recently, and I, I know what Lucas set shot looks like because I've watched him enough. But some people really do not know what his set shot looks like. <laughs> like they, and they do not know what he looks like shooting a three off a catch and shoot. And like that's a problem. You know what I'm saying? That's a problem if nobody knows how you look catching off another player and shooting a three because all you're doing is shooting step back threes, which leads into the, my third issue with him: shot selection. Man, he takes those, some bad shots. Those shots are not good. And the only two threes he hit were on Kyle Kuzma because Kyle Kuzma literally just gave him the space to, to get in rhythm and shoot them. So, like, literally, once anyone takes that space away from that step back, it's, a, it's an awful shot. It's not. It's most likely not going in. So he needs to change his shot selection. He needs to get easier looks. He needs to get better quality looks. I, he 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 bit off more than he can shoot. He you know like I said, guys weren't used to him. Guys didn't understand how talented he was. They're like, I think he caught people off guard with how good he was from a skill perspective. It's like, wow, this dude can really score thirty. He's getting defensive players' best shot now. I mean, like, if you like yeah, him, now right? now guys are like, all right, I know you can get thirty. I know you a bad dude. I'm gonna stop you. And now he's getting the best looks from these guys. He's getting those. Like like we used to say, Kobe stoppers, LeBron stoppers. He's getting the Lucas stoppers now. Mm. Now people are getting to say, I, I shut you down. I Guys are I, ready I, to say that. I think what was underrated for them to me was losing Seth Curry because Josh Richardson is a good yes. player. But what happens was Seth would play point guard a lot of the times and mm-hmm. keep their offense kind of everybody else involved. If you I remember that there was a point in time where they offense was more efficient when Lucas sat. Yes, I think Seth was a big part of that. Because he, and he also opened up the paint better for yeah, Lucas. Well. Shooter, you got to respect his shot. He's 40, 40 plus percent from three. You can't leave him. Right. So I think losing him was, was big. Also, I will say there's no Chris Stapps yet. That also is putting more pressure on Luca to score because yep. the other guy who would give him 20. So obviously, we we'll, we see that uh, turning around. You can't, I mean, great players figure it out. You can't hold him down too long. And plus, Chris Stapps will be coming back. Carlisle knows what he's doing. Um, I am, however, I did not. You know, after we talked, I did not have Luke in my MVP vote because I don't think Dallas going to get the wins necessary because they just don't uh, defend. Yeah. They don't defend well enough to 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 win consistently. So, um, I think he'll turn around and have a, end up having another solid season. I will say, after kind of giving up on the Trey Luca thing, now that Trey has NBA players on his team, actually, I yeah. see why people were saying it's more of a discussion yeah. that people wanted to let on. Yeah, we're seeing, yeah, no, yeah, we're seeing it now. Right, so like, mm, people wanted people wanted to believe it's a huge gap. They still to this day say, "Oh, you well, Hawks should have traded, you know, Luca for trade." Well, how can you say that? At the end of the day, what has Luca done so far to mm-hmm. warrant this? Everything you're assuming is off projection that hasn't happened. Exactly, and, exactly. And, and it looks like the Hawks are going to go to the playoffs this year too. So, and the East is good this year. So, you yep. know what I'm saying? So it's like, so it's like, what gap really? Like, yes, we project Luca to be better. He's bigger. You know what I'm saying? He has great instincts, passing and playmaking. That's just natural and, and elite. But Trey is a more dynamic scorer. That's without a doubt. Oh, absolutely. 
he's a more dynamic scorer. That's and he's not a slouch passing either. He's one. Of the I, yeah, I think players. I think the passing is closer than what people would, would want to say. Yeah, either. it's what they would believe in. It's closer than what they would think. So that's why all this stuff about oh, like Luca fans are still trying to take victory laps over something that's not written in stone. Like there's that like Trey produces high quality numbers now he's winning, and Luca's struggling right now. So, yeah. you know what I mean? So like people guys. Calm down, you know. What I'm saying? Like I told people, Luca is not LeBron James. You know what I mean? It wasn't a clear like LeBron James separated himself from Carmelo Anthony in year two. You know what I mean? Oh, like, absolutely, you, absolutely, you, absolutely. LeBron had already t- t- thrusted himself into the top five of the NBA. You know, right. in year three, year four, he was by year four he was going to the finals. So you know what I mean? So it's like it's not it's Luca is not LeBron James. You know what I'm saying? Which I told people was not LeBron James. Yeah, and so that and that, and that was the. Uh, that, that was the frustration with me when people would say he was the greatest twenty year old ever. I'm like, man, LeBron was putting up special numbers in in the in the dead ball, dead ball half court area. area. Yeah. I was like, you got to be have a little more respect for the history of, of what legends put in before you just. But not to mention Magic Johnson. Magic Johnson, so. let alone Magic Johnson in the finals. <laughs> Come on now, what are you right. guys talking about? Filled in for Kareem and won the finals. Like stop against Dr. J. Like stop, bro. <laughs> so, last thing. Um, Joel Embiid has been absolutely ridiculous to, to start the season. Uh, 25 and 13, 57% shooting, two blocks a game. Has been a defensive and probably the best defensive center and probably like no Bam obviously, but he's been in conversation best defensive center. Uh, yeah. If he keeps this up, did I pick the wrong Philadelphia 76ers for MVP? Yeah, right. Did we did we get on the wrong? Got on the wrong Philadelphia players. I bet hype wagon because. It looks like MB has finally taken over the team, because we were we always wondered like who's the team leader, who's the team guy. It looks like MB stepped up, and said, "You know, this is my team," and he's he's demanding that both ends. He's challenging Ben Simmons even on the defensive end. You know what I'm saying? So that's great for Philly that they have an identity that hey, we're gonna play off. You know, MB, you got all world playmaker who defends, and you know people are gonna talk about who's gonna be that guy in the clutch. Well, you know what I'm saying? If if guys like Seth Curry. Guys like Tobias Harris can hit their shots when they're there, and they're good shooters. Or even I know we get on Danny Green, but he's been there before. If he can hit their shots, you don't need that one dynamic wing player to take over because Hakeem just Hakeem just had guys who hit shots for him. You know what I'm saying? As long as Embiid creates that, they just have to hit it. Yeah, my thing with with Embiid was, you know, he obviously he's not a king, but that takes years to get through to make right. a conversation, but. And beat is a big that can make free throws, so you can dump it down into him. Yeah, not be worried about is he going to split these free throws? Like you, he's just yep. the same as a guard. He's mid though mid to high seventies free throw percentage wise, so it's not just a lost possession if they just decide to foul him. So I think it's a little different. He can be that guy. I got to give credit to you know Daryl Morey and Elton Brand kind of letting listening to Daryl Morey. He's like, okay, right. you need to surround these two with as much spacing as possible to let them work without losing defense. And they seem to have accomplished that, you know, just in one off season. Um, that's why I was comfortable making them my pick for the NBA finals. Obviously, we don't know what's going to happen health-wise, uh, production-wise. Their schedule has to get tougher to see them against better teams. But the, the early returns are, are great so far based on, on what I've seen. We're going to get a big test from them with that Nets game. That's going to be big. I'm, I'm going to be tuned in. <laughs> um, not, not, not really tuned in to see a winner. Person. I just want to see what the matchups will look like, um, you know, because you can, you know, I mean, it could be a game where, you know, the Sixers have like Embiid's just destroying the inside. He's making it look easy, but KD and Kyrie just caught fire, and 
obviously in a regular season, that is bound to happen here and there. But in the course of a playoff series, I'm going to go with what's the bread and butter, what's easy, what what looks easy, because that's going to always be there. Yeah, so I'm looking forward I'm looking to that. For in, in, in that game. Yes, looking forward, like I said, and, and and that's the reason I picked him because I don't trust Brooklyn's interior defense. And Bede is in the conversation, if not the best interior scorer in the NBA. So that'll be very interesting to see how Brooklyn decides to attack that. They got shooting now, so if you want to all out trap them, you got to deal with Seth Curry and, and those guys on the perimeter. Tobias Harris seems to have found his game again, messing with Doc. With Doc, yep. That's going to be interesting. That's, that's definitely probably the game game of the week this week, right? Anything else on deck? I think that's probably the game of the week. That's definitely game of the week because I know the Lakers is playing is on their soft schedule right now. So uh, it's definitely Nets Philly. That's going to be the talk of the town this week. Uh, that's going to be the one that's going to get eyes glued in. All right, we definitely will be talking about that next week on Temple of Hoop. Make sure you follow my boy Kings at yes, Kings, bro. Me. JJ Maples 55 underscore MST. Hit that follow subscribe button on this podcast. We appreciate you guys tapping in. We are out of here. Appreciate you. Happy New Year. Yes, sir. Happy New Year, everybody. Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in the new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series premiering Sunday, June 6th, only on Showtime.